Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode number 94 for Monday, December 12th, 2016. <music> Greetings, folks. And welcome to Gig Gab, the podcast by, for, and about working musicians here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Las Gatas, California, it's Paul Kent. How goes it today, Mr. Kent? Everything's good today. How about you? Did you play this weekend? Uh, I did, actually. I had uh, had a gig on Friday night. I had an acoustic gig. It was it was actually there was it was an interesting thing. It's it was with Monkey Fist. I do uh, I do gigs with those guys all the time. It was the the standard trio lineup of Monkey Fist. So it was uh, John on vocals and Jimmy playing guitar and me on cajon and harmonies for the most part. And uh, but it was like a it was a club where they've typically only done duos before, and they convinced them to do a trio because there was a big birthday party happening with a bunch of uh, friends that John uh, knew from school and that sort of thing, and they were all there. And about halfway through the first set, well, maybe three quarters of the way through the first set, uh, the crowd was was interactive, and so they were uh, shouting requests and and that sort of thing. But it was it was fine. We were you know we were doing that, but it sort of slowed the pace down because they were asking for tunes, and it was like, oh, all right, let's see if we can do that. And um, and and I and I went into this gig with John and Jimmy saying, oh, look, we can do anything here. These people love us. It doesn't matter. You know, it's going to be fine. Okay, great. So it was a little laid back, and uh, and at one point the the woman who uh, owns the bar and, and manages things came up and said to John, she's like, "Do you guys have a set list you can go with so that there's not so much time between songs?" And it was just one of those moments where it was like, "Yeah, yeah, what? yeah, you got it right. You got to keep it moving." Even, did you know that? Did you know that she was paying that close attention? No, I had no idea because I was told that it was just like you know laid back and and so it was you know we were really kind of focused on the crowd and and. Uh, and or at least the the crowd that was up close to the stage, you know that you know as as it happens in places, there's pockets of crowds, right? And uh, and so it was obvious that for the people up close to the stage, things were just fine and everything was interactive. And to people, you know, not right up close to the stage, not really as as interesting as you might have thought. So it was a good wake yeah. up. Yeah, it was a good wake up call, and it was like, all right, let's go. And you know, so, that's a dicey thing that whole taking request. We do that with. Acoustic madness. Yeah. And sometimes it goes off the rails. And the other thing about taking requests, there's a sweet spot, right? You know, if if you're in the if you're in the groove and they are good requests, because remember, one person's request may be the rest of the room's oh, you know, yeah. earworm song, right? So right. it's a it's a real it's a tightrope. But you know, if you get in a groove going and they happen to be good requests and you happen to know them or you can, you know, pull them off, that makes for a fun night. But not everybody can do that. Yeah. And uh, and, uh, you know, there's a risk with with going down that path and the futs in between, like, you know, Steve and I have an iPad full of stuff. Right. Uh, and so sometimes that's our go to if we want to pull a request out. We know the song enough, but don't know all the phrases and, you know, or the form or something like that. But, um, yeah, there is dead time in between. So it is it's a risk and it has to be the right room. The right room with the right people in it, right? Yeah, well, the vibe, that was it. The vibe, that's it. And and the the feedback. Uh, well, up until she came up, the feedback that we were getting because it, the you know it was the people right up right up close to the stage was this was all everything was roses, right? This was going really well, so it was like fine. This is great. We're we're entertaining. 
and and it's fine. And yeah, they understand that we're you know why we're taking more time between songs than we normally would. And it was like, yeah, but guess what? The rest of the room doesn't. So let's keep it rolling. And so we did. We were, I think we were probably one, you know, one, maybe two songs away from the end of the set. And we decided, all right, let's be four songs away from the end of the set. And How did you it. handle it when you went back in and people kept requesting stuff? How did you deflect that? Um, we, we didn't deflect it, but we would uh, sort of process the requests during songs. So it, it wasn't, let's wait and figure this out. It was maybe, uh, you know, uh, uh, I would sing a tune and John would, would look up the, the, the next song as a request on the thing. So we just kept the momentum going and, and that way we were able to kind of work the requests in without, uh, without just having dead air. It was really, what you know, when I, when I do solo stuff, um, some weeks, some shows, some gigs, I'll have worked really hard on a certain collection of material that I really, you know, I put a lot of time in. And on those nights, um, I won't, I won't do requests yeah. and I'm, I'm not always the most tactful, you know, I, I'll kind of smile and I'll be like, I don't, I'm not going to get to that one tonight. Um, but I guess that's about all you can do. Right. I mean, you know, that if you are a, if you are a request machine and that's what your act is cool, sure. but, but I think there's actually a, a value to the performer, to creating a little bit of that, you know, you know, this is my gig and I, I run the show here tonight and, sure. you know, you know, yeah, maybe I'll do a couple of requests tonight, but creating that, creating that two way communication, that vibe, that understanding that the artist um, has some decision making in this, because I've also seen shows where even acoustic shows where, you know, people get kind of hurt if they don't if their request isn't played then right. you know right yeah it's like yeah we can play your request in five songs that's okay but but often no that doesn't seem like it's okay to the uh to the the people right there yeah, yeah you have to you have to have good audience rapport skills to manage that because yep. you know especially if, you, if you're gonna say no sometimes right so i think that's a good skill to have no matter what and, uh, you know, like I said, there, there are nights when I don't want to, there are nights where I'm open to it. Um, and then there's nights where I've been working on some material and I really want to you know, try it out and get it, get it out there. And I'm not in a request mood. And I think holding on to that, I have a friend who does acoustic shows and, um, poor guy, he, he won't, he won't do that. And all of a sudden you'll get people saying, we want to dance, right? right. And it's, a, it's an acoustic show, you know, and, um, and his show will somewhat get derailed into the same old, you know, 10 or 12, you know, dance, semi-danceable acoustic tunes. Not really, probably not really satisfying for anybody else who doesn't want to dance. Right. And so, you know, he has got a great voice and, you know, he, he does a great show left to his own devices. But you do have to manage the crowd. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was an interesting thing because there was there were and and going in, we sort of knew that there was going to be whoever was was in this place normally. Plus, there was this birthday party happening. And so that, uh. that was that was sort of the problem is we had these two very different crowds going simultaneously. And and we we, you know, just sort of naturally gravitated to the 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 one that was most interactive. And uh, and, you know, that wasn't necessarily what the. uh but the people paying the bills wanted. So yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. they are. The, they're the boss. Ultimately. Yeah, it was it was interesting. You know, when she came up, it was like, oh, yep. OK, got it. Back to the, you know, let's go. Boom, boom, boom. No more. Yeah, no more I work around. I work reasonably hard to um, let the people paying the bills, get them to trust me that I will do the right show for the night. Yes. 
Yeah. Right? So like I yeah. said, if I, you know, so I'll get up there and go say, Hey guys, I got some new stuff I've been working on. I can't wait to play it for you. You know, this is what we're going to do tonight. And you know, that's my effort at rapport and kind of setting some boundaries with, with the audience as to where things are going to go. And, uh, it's probably not a great gig for me if, if the venue is going to come up and tell me what to do, it's probably not the right, you know, type of thing. So, so I, but I try and create the right scenario in the first place. Well, was it the birthday the party or that's was right. it the regulars that was it the birthday party of the regulars that were doing the requests with you? It was the birthday party that was doing requests. Oh, so yeah, they were like, you know, we own this place tonight. There's a bunch of us and right. you know, turn it into our party. That, that was it. Yeah, exactly. We're going to right. Yep. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. Yeah. And, but that's a good, that's a good, um, thing to bear in mind is, is developing or earning that trust earning from the people who have employed you effectively, you know, the, the people who own the venue or who manage it, whatever that is earning and, and maintaining that trust because it definitely, there was, when she came up, I, I could, and I've never met this woman other than this night. Now, John and Jimmy have played there a bunch, but it was obvious that, there was a chink in that trust at, at, at that moment. And it was yeah. like, Oh yeah. It's solvable. So oh, totally solvable, but it was, it need, it was obvious to me instantly. It was like, no, we have to address her concern right now yeah. because otherwise the future of this is in jeopardy. Yeah. Well, I'd also say that um, the lesson here is the universal concept of leverage, right? So, right. you know, if you need that gig right. and that gig, you know, then then you, you, you may be subject to the whims of the audience and or the, the venue owner. But if you don't need the gig and you are trying to accomplish some things for yourself by, you know, the, what you want to perform, you probably have a little bit of leverage to say, no, that's not really you know, the way that I do things. Right. So, right. You know. Yeah. If if the only people there were the birthday party, we would have had the leverage. <laughs> right. But right. It, as it turns out, we did not. And yeah, that's right. Yeah, and yeah. and it wasn't it wasn't like we were intentionally playing a leverage game. Uh, we just found ourselves in the middle of one uh, unintentionally. But yeah, been there, totally get it. Right? Yeah, yeah. It was it was one of those wake up calls. It was like, oh yeah, that's right. This is interesting. Yep. So, hey, we got a couple of questions. Oh yeah, well wait before we go there, any gigs for you this weekend? Well, I, I want to talk about two things that happened this week. Three things that happened this weekend. So the House Rockers played on Friday night back at that club that we had that regular gig with that went away for a while and now is back. And we had a really great, really, really great first gig back there. Good crowd. Um, the band played like butter, man. It was like the last two gigs have been really enjoyable. And and some of these things have been like, we don't have any time to get together and rehearse during the holidays here's five songs from the Wayback machine that we've done in the past. We're going to leave it to you guys to, to come ready to play on these. And, uh, you know, we run them in sound check and, uh, and they, they, for two weeks now, it's just been fantastic. All the guys have come totally prepared. The songs come off like butter. They went over really well. And so this was kind of a half holiday gig. You know, we threw in Bruce's Springsteen Santa Claus is coming to town at the very end when everybody was really, into everything and it was just really it was a very very good experience kudos to my band for bringing the noise in a in a really wonderful way but the other thing i i held a um my annual musicians holiday happy hour something i've been doing for about four years now um first year was about 10 or 12 musicians and this year was about 100 musicians wow yeah so it's kind of a cool thing i put the note out Put the note out in the beginning of November. It's always the first Monday in December. And the word kind of gets around. 
And, um, you know, all it is to me is a Facebook invite and a couple of nudges of some people who I know would come but don't pay a lot of attention to Facebook. And the world word has just gotten out there that it's a cool thing. There's a couple booking people who are there, and the vibe of it is nice. There's really very good for the musical community. So, you know, I, you know, in the same way you and I do this because, yeah. you know, we give back, you know, because it's something we, you know, we, we like being around musicians. Um, that's why I started that thing. And so a hundred musicians, they were there, they didn't want to go home. Um, it was a really, really nice thing. You know, some new contacts were made, some old relationships reestablished. There was a lot of really good stuff that came from that. And so, uh, you know, if you're listening to this and, you know, you, you're in a community somewhere and, um, fostering community has tangible and intangible benefits, direct and indirect. Oh yeah. yeah. I, when I saw the, the, I I don't know if it was you that posted about it or, or one of your buddies that posted, but I'm, I'm definitely stealing that idea. That's a great idea. There's nothing to it. Everybody pays for their own drinks. So it's not like, yeah, it's it's a Monday night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that was cool. And then the last thing is today, actually, um, we have some house guests, Terry, my wife and I, you know, we're showing them around town and Steve and Mary Ellen were playing, uh, outside at a local, um, shopping district. And, uh, I got to get up with them and do four songs. So those are my acoustic madness friends. Uh, and, uh, it was kind of nice because Mary Ellen's husband was there playing bass. And then they had a guy playing Cajon and, uh, uh, Russ from a really well-known local band around here. I got to just walk up there, do four songs, you know, impress my house guests and uh, have a really good time. And (laughs) just, just really, really nice thing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) So, so of these things that I'm talking about, so serendipity, you know, drawing some boundaries and these types of things. It, they're relative to the questions that we got today. Right. They, and they reputation are. as well. I, I, I do want to point out, or I want to mention one thing that uh, I, I had the opportunity, which is sort of rare on Friday morning. I went and watched a theater performance that I'm subbing for this week, uh, Thursday and Friday. I get a sub for uh, uh, it's a wonderful life, I guess is the, uh, is the thing. And so I sat in the pit uh, behind the drummer and, uh, you know, I felt and, and the guy, he's a great drummer, uh, really nice guy. And uh, it's a conductor that I know, but I haven't worked with before. So I was watching not only for, you know, odd little quirks in the in the thing. I had a copy of the music and that I was sort of following along with, but I was really following along with his so that I could see what the layout was and, and see the conductor and stuff and, and learn how she does and doesn't cue and, you know, kind of. So every every conductor's different, right? You know, yeah. she's a piano player, and so it was like, oh, this is a little different. But um, I felt bad for this guy, you know, because it's the worst thing is playing a gig when you know, like for me, the worst thing is when I know I have a drummer in the house, right? Play and I'm playing a gig, and I know because it's just how it works. The the if you're a drummer, you're going to watch the drummer. If you're a guitar player, you're going to watch the guitar. You're going to be tuned in more to what that person's doing. So not only does poor George know that there's a drummer in the house, I'm literally sitting right behind him. I mean, if he were to lean back, he would fall into me because it's, it's cramped in a theater pit typically. So, uh, so we got to the end of the first act and I'm like, man, George, I, I can only imagine what's going through your head. And he's like, oh, this is, and not only is it a drummer watching you, it's a drummer with a copy of the music. Right? <laughs> so I know when he plays something that isn't right. <laughs> and, uh, he's like, yeah, it started getting into my head early on. And he's like, I just told myself I got to get, you know, I got to forget about this, <laughs> but, uh, he did. I mean, he's a great drummer. It was, it, it's kind of fun watching, someone else play this part that I'm reading. Cause I know how I would, you know, solve some of these problems logistically or whatever. 
And invariably, some of them he solves the same way I wouldn't. And some, he, you know, does this whole different thing. It's like, oh, that's a good idea. I like that. You know, so there was it was actually a very it was a great experience. And uh, and George was great. But, yeah, I felt bad for him. No one that uh, that I was literally, you know, eyes on him, even though he couldn't see me. <laughs> so, But, you know, this is when musicians are cool, like. You were cool, right? Right, right. Someone, yeah, someone could make that. A, yeah. yeah, someone could make that a bad situation. Oh, totally. But, but yeah. someone who would make that a, a bad situation, that person's such a jerk. You, why would you even care about what they have to say anyway? Right. Well, that's it. And I probably would if I if I was that guy, I wouldn't have gotten the phone call to sub for him anyway because it's you know it's his gig. He's got to trust me with this thing so that Thursday night the show doesn't come off the rails because it's already sold out and you know he doesn't want to he doesn't want to look bad and he would. If he hires a sub, that's bad. Now, the, everybody in the pit kind of knows me. Um, so it would actually not so, look so bad on George in this instance. It would just be me. But he'd still <sighs> he'd still get he'd still get guff for it if I go and screw this thing up. So I got some work to do because I got to learn this show in, a, in the next few days. <laughs> and maybe maybe he'll be there watching you. Uh, probably not because he had to sub it out because he's got another gig. <laughs> but, uh. but some other time. Yeah. But it, it was actually nice. I'd never really like really focused on his playing before. And I realized, Oh, this is good because I could easily sub a gig out to him. I, you know, I trust the way he reads and it, like, you really get to know somebody when, when you're in that kind of, uh, you know, in that scenario. So that's yeah. good. Yeah. But yes, we do have a couple of questions. So, uh, Great question. yeah. So let's, let's start with Thomas. He says, uh, Hey guys, I was thinking a good topic for discussion might be band setup time for our five piece band. We have a lead vocal guitar, keyboard, bass, and drums with no sound man using our own sound system. We arrive at the gig two hours before the downbeat two hours includes our sound check. This has been the norm for me and bands. I've been in for the past 25 years. Only recently have some of our band members started to question the amount of time that we spend. We usually have 15 minutes to spare before start time. I'm interested in ways to cut this time or justification that this is normal. So I know you and I are going to approach this differently because our, our normal scenarios are different. Um, But, uh, but for me, like what he describes is basically what happens when I play with fling most of the time or, or with chafed, although chafed doesn't play that much now nowadays, but it's, you know, we're doing our own sound, that kind of thing. Um, I like to get there. Two hours seems a little early. I like to get there an hour and a half early um, unless I'm going to eat dinner and then, you know, and then I might, I might shoot for two, but, um, but an hour and a half usually is enough unless there's a tough load in or something. Right. But, um, but y- you know, it, what we do in fling is there's a division of labor and we all know exactly what we're going to do. So we get there, and we start getting this stuff in, but the first thing we get in is, is the lights. And we don't have a ton of lights, but we have some. And Russ takes the lead, and we've learned it's best if he sets up the lights first at the very, very back of the stage and, and how that's going to work. And then as soon as he's almost done, I start setting up my drums. And when I'm doing that, Mike actually takes my drums out of their cases and deals with the cases. So I've got the, – there's a machine, right? Once I've got kind of the stands and all that, uh, I, I use a rack for the most part – when all, once all that's good to go, the drums are just ready for me to just hang on on the stands. And then I put cymbals up. And by that point, the guys have their amps in place and uh, mic stands are going up and mic cables are being run. And usually by the time I'm done setting up my drums, I then set up the, the mixing board and start plugging things into it. But cables are already just being handed to me. So that can all happen like like what I just described is probably 30 minutes for us. 
And it's because we've really thought about, okay, who can do what? And we've, you know, we've gotten to the end of a setup and said, all right, why did this take so long? And, and who was there any moment where someone was just literally standing around, not knowing if there was something they could do. It's like, okay, well let's fix that. Cause there's always something you can do. So, and, and over time we've just sort of smoothed that out and now we don't even think about it. Uh, and, and so we can be ready to play, a half hour would be tough for us walking into a room, but possibly doable if everything just goes really smoothly. Yeah. It's certainly 40 minutes and we could be ready to go. So, so an hour is nice. An hour and a half buys time to get like set up and then like get a beer, chill and then go play. Yeah. So here, here's what I have. I have to offer a few different thoughts on this. So one sure. is um, as a leader, I want to make sure that we're going to have a great experience for the band, which will translate into a great experience for the audience yep. and keep stress down. Exactly. Right? Yeah, so exactly. You, yeah. You know, and, and sometimes time is the best thing to keep stress down. So, you, you know, you may have guys who are cranky about it, but, um, but in the long run, I think that that's a leader card that you, that it's important to play. Now, like I've said many times, I'm big on everybody has to, you know, have the same amount of, commitment do the same amount of work so even though the horns can walk in and uh you know pretty much be ready in about five minutes uh and nick and joe with the heavy stuff you know takes them quite a while my call time is my call time right okay and yeah now the part where i can't contribute too much to thomas's question is is that we really don't have any uh scenarios where we don't have a sound guy involved so whether it's bill who's our sound guy and he goes on his own schedule stuff and again that schedule is predicated primarily by keeping stress down. He wants enough time to do what he needs to do right. Yep. And what he what he likes is for the stage to be set, beautiful, done, and we walk in and, and you know we're not stepping on each other or you know, stepping over each other. So that but that's Bill and Bill you know puts in more, much more time than most sound people. Right. He he's not concerned about doing it quickly. He's concerned about doing it right. And so uh, that's that. Or when we're playing festivals or concert series and sound is provided, that's a different thing. So so in all those but scenarios, you, but usually the same thing would happen, right? Will you get there. And you've already got the PA set up. There's usually mics in in close to the right places, monitors in close to the right places, right? I mean, at at festivals generally, that's kind of how that works. So it's festivals are kind of the bane of my existence, right? Yeah, and of the, course, oh, it's yeah, it's awful, right? Getting a ten piece band sometimes they give fifteen minutes, which never is going to happen. I mean, it just right. there's no way you're going to get my band. Get that band off stage. Get us on stage, mic'd some kind of a line check in, in 50. So that's never going to happen. I think 30 minutes would be about the minimum on a changeover of an existing stage. Yeah. Um, but uh, I would say it takes my band. And again, the other thing, do we, do we have any work we need to do? Do we need to run any songs or is this just a line check or is it a full sound check? Right. I know with this Sonos uh, digital board we have, you know, they tout the ability for the sound guy to basically ring out a room and, and, you know, you, you can save a lot of settings. I haven't found consistency from room to room enough where that really is the case. So I would say this, um, and at, we, we, our band could pretty much do it in an hour. We walk in sound is set and, uh, and you know, the, the biggest things to get on stage are the keys and the drums, you know, and then, you know, you start sound checking and balancing everything like that. And we maybe get one song and we can get it done in an hour. Yeah. You know, Thomas is talking about, he has a five piece band. 
you know, two hours seems like a, a bit of time. I would imagine that, you know, depending on how much sound gear you have and, you know, how much needs to be, I think you could probably easily get that down to 90 minutes. And again, is everybody helping? Does everybody have a job? Like you said, this division of labor yep. and is, you know, is there a process that is a repetitive process, but you go back, is it a new venue? You know, do you know what the load in constraints are? You know, do you, do you know everything that you need to know in order to get ready for a gig? If yeah. it's a regular gig, you should be able to cut that down. Well, a new, you know, a new venue is often, the like when we walk into a new venue, certainly we're just humping gear in because you've got to get it in, uh, you know, at some at some level. But there's often a good ten minutes of what would seem like unproductive time, while like two, maybe three of us are sort of you know plotting out. All right, what's the right way for us to set up here? And sometimes we'll get started and decide, oh, wait, 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 no, 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 no. we like switch that around. That's not going to work. You know, it should we should lay out this way. Uh, But, you know, because not every room has just a proscenium stage that you can just do your normal whatever your normal setup is. I mean, sometimes you're you're cramming into a weird space and it's like, all right, for this gig. You know, normal setup, drums in the middle, at you know, upstage and, and kind of a traditional setup. Other times it's like, yep, nope, we've got a shallow stage. So drums are going to go stage left facing sideways and keys stage right facing sideways. Everybody else in the middle. And, and we but the good news is we've done enough of these where it's we have to decide which of our multiple setup options will work. But once we decide it, we sort of know what that what you know okay it's 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 plan c great everybody kind of knows plan c and we just you know sort of fit it all in it and it works so yeah do you always ring out a room oh dude yeah and and this is where i i actually disagree having a, a digital board has changed my life dramatically in that regard because so we use the mackie dl 1608 and uh it's it's awesome it, it, first of all it saves me on having to tune gain structure for each individual channel. Like that's the thing I know I can copy from gig to gig because what doesn't change is it's that person singing or that person playing through that amp with that microphone in this channel. So I can do things like have compression on each channel and really kind of tweak things for that particular vocalist or that particular instrument that I just wouldn't spend the time to do if I had to do it for every gig, but I was able to do it once, get it really tuned in and, uh, and maybe, you know, tweak it over the course of a couple of gigs, but you know, you've got this, you're not starting from zero at every gig. So we start, I recall, you know, the fling program on the, on the mixer and I know that all my my channel gains and and all of that are are fine. Effectively, my channel strips are untouched. Then I have to ring out the room. The first thing I do is ring out the monitors. But again, being able to do that with an iPad in my hand and tuning EQs live while I'm talking into a mic with the monitor in front of me uh, is is awesome. I don't need to have somebody at the board. In the old days, it would be all right, you know. Uh, dump, uh, you know, 6K by 3DB and then you, you hit it again. It's like, oh, okay, no, now check this. And it's, and, and the, they added uh, a real-time analyzer to the DL1608 or to the, the whole DL series. So I can see what's happening. And I'm, I'm, my ears are pretty good, but hey, if, the, if, if I hear it squealing and I see, you know, something at, at 250, you, you know, pegged, it's like, all right, well, I don't need so, so worst case, best case, how much... How much sound man 
your your sound man hat is on in a new room. First time you play a room. Oh, it it's that that's the primary hat I wear right up until maybe the third song starts. Hopefully by then we've got it straightened out. But yeah, no, no, no. I'm saying during setup, we're talking about cutting down setup time. Yeah. How much time does how much time are you spending? Oh. doing sound dude stuff. Um, it, usually I can get that done in about ten minutes. All right. Yeah, because I, I I ring the monitors and then unless the set unless the room is weird, uh, what I'll do is I'll take whatever the EQ is for the monitors. And uh, and copy that to the mains. And that's a starting point for the mains. Now, again, you know, depending on the room and the setup and all that, there there might be a very good reason not to do that. But but with a digital board, you can. And so I just copy that to the mains. Then I go out into the the house. I have uh, a couple of people checking different mics. Again, we sort of have a system to it. And I can stand again with the iPad in the house adjusting live. Okay, great. I hear what it is. I know what we need to do. Awesome. Great. And now we're done. Got it. Yeah. I, I should also add, you know, we um, we will be off stage when doors open. So that that's usually going to add some time. Mm. Right. So, you know, if doors open at, at seven and we don't play till seven thirty, we are done by seven, six fifty five. Sure. So that, you know, so there's a 30 minute from seven to seven thirty that you're done. But I would just say this, you know, relative to the question, it, it seems two hours seems like a lot. However, no stress is really your friend. The ability to have everything done, you know, wrung out predictable and be able to have a beer, you know, when the doors yeah. open, you know, I, there's, that's there's a always, lot of value in that. That's always my goal because that time where you you've reserved to have a beer, if things have gone horribly wrong, well, you don't get your beer, but you do get a half hour extra to time solve. to yeah. problem solve. You got yeah. it. Yep. So, and, and like the other night, actually we had a weird problem the other night setting up the acoustic gig. Um, but for the most part, sometimes especially if it's an early gig, an acoustic gig, you get there, you want to have dinner. So you set up your stuff, but oftentimes, at least where we play, you can't really make noise early. You you know, you can't ring out the PA. So you have to do that right before you play. My rule is even if I can't ring it out, I make sure every speaker that's going to need to make noise makes noise even quietly uh, just so that I know when I come up to ring it out, I'm not going to deal with some problem like, oh, there's no sound here. We've got a bad cable or, you know, whatever that is. And uh, and that, it's just another thing to hedge it off because the worst part would be to have had an hour while you're doing nothing. And then you go up with 10 minutes left. Right. And and now, oh, guess what? You know, you've you've now got 40 minutes worth fire of fire drill. Yeah, yeah, fire drill. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, but again, that's just experience. And, and so I would, I would highly recommend if you don't have a digital board and you're doing your sound yourself, go get one. The, the, the DL1608 is probably, I, the, the market keeps changing, but that's still my favorite. They keep updating it. They keep adding good stuff. It's really, uh, relatively inexpensive to, uh, to get rolling. And, and, you know, if you've already got an iPad, that makes it even easier. It, yeah, makes a big difference. So I think that's the big thing is to sell to your band. This is time well spent. If it takes you two hours, you know, given all the things we said, if you can't cut it down, if two hours is what your band needs because you're not as proficient with sound or, you know, your drummer has a lot of stuff or whatever it may be. Right. You know, I would sell the concept that what's most important is not to be economical with time is to do it right. Right. And that's, you know, stand on that principle first. And then, you know, if things are, if, if you can get it down, you get it down. But, but uh, 
It's a leader's call as to how much time you really need. And then, like I said, everybody has to be bought in for the same amount of time. And um, yeah, um, yeah, that's important know. to me, too. If, if we're doing this, we're doing it together. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. All right. Uh, the second question we got today was uh, was from Matt here. And Matt says, uh, what do you do when a former member of your band damages your reputation and or badmouths the band? I run a uh, general business slash wedding band, which does a fair amount of club and bar dates to use them as a way to get prospective clients to see the band before booking us. One problem. Our problem is this. We had a lead singer that was handling the booking, leave the band. And she made it seem like the split was on good terms. She left to pursue other avenues, theater and vocal groups. However, We've had a hard time booking or rebooking at rooms where we previously played and had a great relationship. We've been wondering why they don't want to book us again until we recently found evidence by digging through old emails on the band's Google domain that she had badmouthed us to agents and booking contacts on her way out. My question is this. What do we do? How do we go about mending these relationships or should we consider the damage done and look for new venues to replace the old ones? So I love this question. I actually think this is this is really a fascinating thing because the first time when he sent this in and I read it and I was like, well, well, what scenario in life if a person is out there saying something negative, does it not more reflect poorly on that person? Right. You know, spreading gossip. But I guess I could see this. Someone says, you know, I was the leader and, you know, you know, I'm going to move on to the next thing. And, you know, they're doing it to keep their um, to keep their contacts. Yeah. I guess it's short sighted. I mean, let's 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 just say that there's no question that that this was this was short sighted on the behalf of your of your former lead singer. But if the relationship between the venues and your band was her, even if she hadn't bad mouthed you, um, there's still like there's no relationship there. It needs to be. It was hers. It was hers. Right. Yeah. Right. She invested the time. So, so the first thing that's, that's challenging here is you as a band, put your faith and confidence into someone who was invested enough that they could potentially leave. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as a, I would never dole that out, that responsibility. Like maybe if I had a manager, but I wouldn't, right. I would, I wouldn't say, Hey, you know, my trumpet player, you're now in charge of booking, go out and do that. You know, I, th- those relationships are everything. So, so let's just assume that, you know, that, that, that was known and, and uh, you know, this fell apart for a different type of reason. I would say this, all relationships are repairable, right? If you're, if you're a good guy, you can go talk to anybody and just say, you know, Hey, we used to play for you and we don't seem to be making a connection. Is there anything you can share about, you know, what's getting in the way of us working with you again? I think most people will give you some time. And I think if if the response is, well, you know, we got some information that's troubling about your group or, you know, the way you guys conduct business, you need to be ready with a very, very thorough, considerate, respectful answer. And that answer could have the basis of, well, you know, it's unfortunate that you got that kind of information. You know, I'm sure you can understand we had someone leave our band and people leave bands for a long time, but you know, our band is still going strong. We've replaced the singer. You know, we, we've got this great thing. You and I have never had this conversation before. So, you know, I would appreciate an opportunity to kind of, you know, let you know our band is still in business and, you know, it's unfortunate and you know, don't bad mouth the person who's no, doing it, no. but just, just point out the folly of the person who's saying the crap is usually the problem. You know, you can kind of imply that without saying it. Right. Yep. A- absolutely. Yeah. It, yeah, of course. And, and, you know, asking questions like, 
what what's it going if if it if it gets there just ask what would it take for us to to work together again what what do you need from me for us to go back to you know to or to do again what we've done together in the past yeah you can say i'd appreciate an opportunity to kind of share with you where, where our band is and you know what's going on we're very committed to our clients you know we've had success you know everybody seemed to like the instrumentation and the rhythm section we have a wonderful nude singer new singer here's you know here's our demo you know just basically isolate the problem and and uh, and address it in a very professional way and how you handle it is going to say a whole lot about how you're going to change the nature of that relationship yep. so you know again i can't i don't know the details of this but if someone came to me and just kind of like unloaded oh those guys i would be way more suspicious of the person bearing the weird news than of the people who I haven't had a chance. You know, there's most reasonable human beings know there's always two sides to every story. At, at least two sides. And if they know anything about a band, they know if however many members there are, double it. That's how many sides to the story there are, right? Cause, yeah. Uh, yeah, because it's just weird. It's, you know, it's a weird business is is what it is. But And uh, I think your job as the new leader or the new, you know, booking relationship person, you want to demonstrate um, consistency, Security. Our band is here. You know, we're as committed to our as our clients as ever. You know, we continue to evolve. You know, it's unfortunate that we lost a member, but you know, we think we're better than ever, and you know, be ready to back that up. Yeah. But I think you know, you emphasize the positive of what you have. Just ask for a conversation. Now, I, I get it that booking people are getting calls all the time, but if they have some done some business with you. That probably means you made them some money somewhere along the line. Yeah. It, it does. It does behoove them to take your call. Yeah. Well, and and right. That's it. Is remind them of the good times. And, and but it is. It comes back to that thing we were talking about at the beginning of the show: earning the trust of your employers, right? And 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 acknowledging that that is what you intend to do. You know, I we've worked together before. Uh, if things have fallen apart, which it seems like they have, I would like to re-earn your trust. And saying those words absolutely can really help. I mean, I know if I heard those words, it'd be like, okay, this sounds genuine to me. It, it, this is a this is a good life skill. Yeah. It's also it's yeah. also one of the most powerful things you can have. And I'll tell you what, this is a a very very solvable problem. Right? I agree. I, yes, this is so I would not punt on these relationships. I would absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, go for them. Yeah. And it's a good challenge. I mean, it's it's a right. it's a leadership skill. It's an interpersonal communication skill. Um, you want to like whoever's going to take this on. If you want your band to look up to you as like, holy cow, they solve this thing. You know, you get a lot of credibility with your band, whoever's going to take this on. So, again, it doesn't make any sense that the person bad mouthing has the leverage in this situation. That's. You know, I, I can't think of any situation, even someone I know very well, who badmouths somebody else yeah. without an agenda, right? Well, clearly, yeah. I, I will say this, though, it because it's it's sales like any other kind of sales. Don't hang your entire success on whether or not you can re-earn all of these relationships back. Let's say there were five clubs, right? Um, go after all five of them. And also go after five new ones simultaneously. It, you know, if something was weird with one or two of them and they maybe they weren't really happy with your band and they're using this as an excuse to say, you know what? I just I, I'm not interested. I don't want to know about the politics. The, clearly, there was weird stuff. I, I'm I'm moving on. 
because they wanted to move on anyway, you're not going to be able to control that, at least in the short term. Maintain the relationship, check in with them every quarter, whatever that, you know, normal frequency is. But it's a marathon, uh, not a sprint. Yeah, exactly. And and don't hang your, you know, your emotional well-being on whether or not you get these five same five clubs back. Go after them, do all the right things. And in the meanwhile, go get five new ones and and just move forward. You, you've just got to keep, you know, plowing ahead. I would also add to this trust in karma. Like yeah. these things tend tend to have a way of working themselves out in some way. And someone who's going to be dissing you know, fellow musicians that you, you created something that is of value to the world. You know, that's just, that's just putting bad energy out and, uh, it's not cool. you know, yeah. it should come back around in a good way to you. If you, if you handle yourself in an above board way and, you know, demonstrate your, your integrity, I guess that's the best word I can have. Yeah, you know? yeah that's right. Yeah. 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 It's that, it's that trust thing, man. Good questions, folks. Uh, you can find us uh, at feedback at giggabpodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook. That's actually where these questions came in. Uh, the best way to get to our Facebook page is just to go to giggabpodcast.com slash Facebook. That'll bring you to the community. But you, from there, you can also find our page and you can you know email us privately if you want. Sometimes we will take questions and uh, sanitize them to protect the innocent. Okay. Uh, but and, and we're happy to do that, you know, because because a lot of these topics are really good. So uh, so, you know, feel free to, to if you want to if you don't want to say it publicly in the group for whatever reason, feel free to send it to us privately too. however you want to get it to us. We uh, we would love to hear from you. It's it's always great to have this kind of interaction. I really, really like it. Um, Me too. Yeah, it's, it's it's we love it. It's great. Anything else, Paul, before we uh, send everyone on their way? No, we're getting close to the end of the year. We've got new year, hopefully a lot of people getting New Year's Eve gigs and uh, yeah. we'll have some good stories to start. 2017 with i'm looking forward to it folks thanks so much for listening always be performing even when you're selling you're still performing have a good week paul later dave see ya